Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Welcome back to another episode of the Bar Variations Podcast, everybody. I'd like to share with you this month strategies for feeling supported as well as how we can continue to support each other's teaching journeys. Before getting into it, I have some upcoming events I'd like to share with you, and hopefully you can join me at. So as this episode airs, I'll be in Colorado teaching in Telluride at the Pedal Den, and then at Momentum Fest the following weekend in Denver. And after that, I'll be heading to San Diego for a teacher training choreography workshop August 3rd and 4th, and then to Minneapolis, Minnesota for a teacher training and teaching deconstructed workshop. Head over to barvariations.com for more info, and then check out the show notes for the link. All right, so last month's community question was... What strategies do you use when making a choice or deciding to say yes or no to something? And I'm going to share a response from Stacy. And Stacy said this amazing quote, and it goes like this. Let me get back to you on that. Ah, genius. Giving yourself space to get clear and to weigh your options of what will be best for you is such a great strategy. It's also a strategy that gives ourselves support and love for being true to our wants and our needs. So speaking of support, having a support system of people in my life for me is key. We've all heard the phrase, surround yourself with positive people. And while that is great, let's get a little bit more specific about those types of people. So each person in my life has, and I'm sure yours, their own unique talents and fortes. And when I need to gain perspective, ask for help and having a soundboard or even get some inspiration, I have many different types of people in my life that I can call upon. Here is the support system I like to have in order to continue my growth as a teacher and as a person. So first, a mentor. Having someone to look up to with more experience than me has always provided me with a broader sense in which I can view my work and my life. I can get pretty wrapped up in the moment, so being able to zoom out and turn to a person willing to give guidance is very important for me. Second the dream weaver. You know this person, the one you can go to with all of your ideas, never feel crazy for sharing them. The one who will be your number one fan and cheerleader telling you to go for it and not to look back. This person for me reminds me of the confidence within me to live life to the absolute fullest. It's the person who reminds me that I am teaching what matters, my work, right? That matters and acts as my publicist without even asking. Love those cheerleaders. And lastly, the third type of person 
I like to have in my life as a support system. I lovingly call them the dream crusher. (laughs) The name is more dramatic than necessary, but it does make me giggle as you can see. And I always envision like a WWE wrestler standing center ring with fist in the air and with a dramatic pull down of the arm and lowering of the head, they say dream crusher. (laughs) Anyways, just a little peek into my brain. So, but what I mean by dream crusher is having someone around who is a bit more of a realist, who can play devil's advocate, a person who will ask the questions I might not want to ask myself or might not want to answer for fear of not living out my dreams, right? Or someone who'll be willing to tell me to slow down or at least think about all angles of a situation. Now, all three types of people are important to me to stretch and grow in my work and my teaching. So as for strategies for supporting myself, here are some ways I can make sure I go into my classes feeling fully supported. Number one, getting enough sleep is an absolute must for me, at least. If I don't get enough sleep, forget it. I am ruined. I'm not operating at full capacity. Number two, having a schedule that is condensed and doesn't include traveling to another place quickly. So meaning I don't teach one hour downtown and then one hour uptown. Number three, for me, working alongside people who share the same goal of wanting to give people and others and the clients a positive movement experience. Number four, and lastly, prepping my food, having enough water, which I am guilty of dehydrating myself far, far too often, and being prepared for the day as if I'm not going home. So most of the time, I don't have time to just run home. And because I want to maybe go for a walk in the park between sessions, and while maybe it's raining, I need to have an umbrella. So anyone who knows me, I have a Mary Poppins-style backpack. So if you need an extra hair tie, Band-Aid, I got you. So being prepared, right? So some of the themes that come up here are being prepared, being surrounded by people who are positive and share the same goals as me, having a schedule that isn't very hectic. I'm not teaching one hour, waiting three hours, teaching another hour, and then getting enough sleep, right? So preparing for my day prep is key for me to feel supported within myself. All right. So we have people who support us. We have strategies, and I encourage you to think about your own strategies, your own things that you need to feel supported throughout your day. Is it taking notes? Is it having choreography written down? Is it prepping your class beforehand, having a playlist ready to go? What are those things for you? So I encourage you to write in your journal, just kind of jot them down and just have that in your back pocket and know that if one of these things are out of alignment for you, you can always turn to this list and be like, oh, okay, I got to get back to that thing. So Again, we have these support systems. We have these strategies. How now can we support others? So first, getting into your own alignment and having a strong group of people who support your choices and work will allow you to offer the same thing to others. A question I ask myself is, quote, how can I help? Or what can I do to serve others better? It can be as simple as making sure the studio is left the way I found it after each class and as grand as holding a free client appreciation event. Here are some ways, just some creative ways we all can support each other more in the studio space. Number one idea, maybe reach out to a new teacher to see if they'd like someone to practice their teaching skills with. Number two, start a monthly sharing session with your colleagues where you can each share a sequence or moves you've been loving lately. 
And number three, maybe team up with a local business to promote your classes or your studio. Just little ideas. These ideas can be endless, simple, or even grand and big. So this month, your community question is, what creative ways can you serve slash offer support to your studio or community? Share your answers with me via email at info at barvariations.com. You can also join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer or even leave me a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes and I look forward to hearing from you. So stay tuned. I've got an amazing interview with Melissa Feeney from the Bar Blog and Bar Goods Co. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. All right. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. And I'm here today with Melissa Feeney. Welcome. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so Melissa is a writer, marketer, entrepreneur, and full-time bar addict. If she is not at, the, at a bar class, she is writing it on the bar blog, a site she created to connect with like-minded bar fans. She's been blogging on a number of topics for over a decade and has been actively involved in the WordPress community, hosting conferences and meetups for entrepreneurs in her hometown of Toronto, Canada. Yay! <laughs> Melissa is a veteran of creating and managing digital content to build relationships for organizations that include the CBC and the Toronto International Film Festival. Her latest venture, Bar Goods Co., is an online store that creates garments designed with bar fans in mind. Welcome, Melissa, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy. We connected through the amazing Instagram, and I also had the pleasure of contributing to your blog back in April on a post about the importance of inclusivity in the bar community. I love your blog. I love that I found you, and your contributions to this bar community are so, so amazing. Well, thank you very much. Yes, but before we dive into the bar blog and Bar Goods Co., I just want to ask you, let's start at the very beginning. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, need to go that far back. But I just want to know, how did you get your start in movement? Were you always somebody that was active or did that come later in life to you? Yes. Yeah, so very active child. It was always part of my life. I was either on a basketball team, a baseball team. I was actually also a competitive figure skater growing up. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> yeah. so it was um, never something I really thought twice about. It was just always part of my life. Mm. And, you know, up until I think I graduated university, I was always doing something. Once I was in my mid to late twenties, I was really in an exercise lull. So 
I had never really, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. I joined a gym, didn't find myself going very often. I had tried everything from yoga to CrossFit um, and nothing was really resonating with me. Mm -hmm. And finally I was, you know, working, I was in my late twenties and a coworker had gone to a bar class and I did have a bit of dance experience, but I thought, you know, this sounds like something that might be a bit out of my league because I was sort of intimidated by the the concept of having a bar or a ballet inspired class and she convinced me to try it because she herself is not a dancer and I'm sure a lot of people tend to think that if you've never tried a bar class before. You're just getting to all of my questions (laughs) Melissa this is such a good segue and keep going thank you. Um, So I had decided that I wanted to try it myself and there was at the time only one studio in the whole city that was offering bar classes so I went one day and to be so honest with you I actually hated it the first time Mm. I never really found that I was keeping up with the choreography I felt like that awkward person in the back of the class who didn't really know what I was doing and it seemed that everyone else did yeah Um, yeah that's so um it's so common that uh, in the beginning, you know, I think a lot of classes were very pre-choreographed. And as a dancer myself, there was ballet classes I would go to that were the same every week. And if you weren't there on Monday, forget it. You did not know what was going on a Friday. And it is so, so intimidating. And it takes a long time to know, get to know that teacher and get to know that kind of choreography. But if you're just jumping in or you want to take a class for fun it, it's a hard space to walk into so I, I totally get what you're saying about not feeling connected to a class like that exactly yeah and uh so I was quite intimidated at first um but you know I think I decided at the time okay I tried it I'm not going to do it again but there must have been something and maybe I'm a very determined person and mm-hmm. I wanted to prove myself wrong and I ended up giving it another try. And soon enough, a few more tries after that, it started to click with me. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So as a figure skater, so you're very sporty, basketball, you said, and baseball as well. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so for figure skating, did you have to take, were you required to take any dance classes? Were you competing or what did that look like? It wasn't something that was part of our training, but certainly there was a lot of people, including myself on the team, who had a dance background. Mm-hmm. I was never a competitive dancer by any means, but I had always, you know, participated in some form of dance or another. So I did have that to my advantage when I was figure skating, but for the most part, it was all on ice training. On ice training. Yeah, I did yeah. gymnastics as a kid, and I also was dancing as well, and I grew such a fear, like I didn't want to do certain tricks and it was on the balance beam and I was like well if I do a double pirouette I can stick it which is a very hard thing to do but I was like I'd rather do that than do a backhand spread yes <laughs> so, you definitely have to have a level of fearlessness when you do any sort of oh my god gymnastics yeah. or, or even jumping in the air on ice I mean I was not fearless <laughs> and I, I was like oh I'm doing more dancing than I'm doing gymnastics like I think my decision's been made for me (laughs) yes (laughs) that's so great so 
Um, so you kind of talked about how you came to bar and you were in Toronto at the time. Have you been up there mm-hmm. kind of your whole life or? I am a born and bred Canadian. Yes. Yay. I have lived here my whole life. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So taking bar classes, um, what method did you get into when you first started? I wouldn't say there was a technique that the studio okay. that I went to had branded. It was, I would say it had a bit more of a cardio lean to it, okay. but, um, it was, you know, your typical bar class with a set of hand weights. Um, they used, uh, a strap for stretching and they obviously had the, the bar as part of the regular routine. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I've been to many other types of classes where they'll focus on, certain areas more than others whether that be um you know some studios have in fact like branded a certain technique and I wouldn't say there was a definite class great okay so yeah I mean that's obviously a lot of that happens you have so many dancers or movers that the ballet bar is such an accessible piece of equipment it can it doesn't take up a lot of room for a studio owner so if it's something you're passionate about. It's a very easy add-in to a studio. So there's a lot of different methods, which is great. And on your blog, you do something called the bar crawl, which sounds very fun. (laughs) (laughs) And where you go to different bar classes and give them a review. Is there one studio on your list that you're dying to try out? Oh, good question. Um, yes, definitely. I would love, you know, if I have the time to do this, (laughs) um, I would love to travel more and I would actually love to go to Australia and see some of their studios just because I know it's a very, you know, very popular there as well. And it's starting to grow in Asia. Um, And I've, you know, I've tried Pure Bar, I've tried all the sort of popular franchises in North America. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to try some of the smaller, and I mean, to their credit, they're growing pretty quickly, but um, some of the lesser known Bar studios mm-hmm. is sort of across the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, I think there's one in the Midwest called Bar District. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. There's also a Studio Bar that I haven't tried yet. So I'd love to just you know compare to see how their technique is um, yeah. to the, the studios that I've been to. Yeah, it's always so fun. Um, just visiting and meet, like seeing different classes. I think that's what's so I my the background in Pilates and teaching Pilates for over 10 years. And it's an industry that there's so many different ways to interpret the work. And I'm really excited to see bar kind of emerging out of that idea of different interpretations of what bar means to everybody. You know, if you're a dancer, it might mean more ballet. If you're somebody that's more fitness or sporty, it could be a little bit more functional training geared. And I just really think that's, a huge benefit to our community that there can be so many different voices and different styles and there's no one right way. And just interpreting that to your own voice, I think is, is really unique and special. Exactly. Yeah. And I've definitely been to classes where they are very true to the Lottie Burke method. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some that, you know, go in more of a, well, different direction. Um, not better or worse, just, you know, they've sort of evolved or taken it to a different place. So yeah. it's, it's nice to see that some places will have more of a 
true ballet type of workout and then others are more fitness inspired. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was like you and you said that you weren't sold on bar. I definitely have that similar experience where I was dancing professionally and I was like, well, why would you want to do that move? Like, why would you want to do that? Like that? Yeah. And I was a modern dancer, so I wasn't super concerned. I mean, as a dancer, you have certain body things that we don't need to go into or issues or views of yourself. But the idea of bigger legs, especially for a modern dancer, I was like, "Mm, I'm good. My legs are pretty sturdy as they are. And I really judged it. I judged it hard. I, like, didn't want anything to do with it. And I was also reluctant getting into it. And the more you know, I kind of pushed back. It kept calling and calling and here I am today. And as you said, the rest is history. Yeah. So. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that as can yeah. I. Yeah. And we all like, I think what's most important when it comes to movement in general is that finding what works for you, you know, you can't force, you should, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't force movement on yourself. That just doesn't resonate or feel good or get you excited because it's really just about moving your body and making sure it can function the way it's supposed to function. Exactly. (laughs) And however you can get there, great. Like if that means going to, you know, a CrossFit or a yoga class or whatever, there's so many things that I say, go for it. I mean, there's something for everybody these days, which is amazing. And it's great that bar has so many, you know, it has now so many different interpretations that you know, hopefully more people can find it and find one that resonates with them in that way. Yeah. And as you say, I I know a lot of people who also on top of bar will go to spin classes or Mm -hmm. run on the weekend. So I do, I find that it does have its place and um, certainly there's people and including myself who complement with other types of activity, which is, uh, I guess, more of a holistic approach to exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you said you have a one-year-old earlier when we were talking um, mm-hmm. before the podcast. Is that your only only one? Yes. For now, yes, she is. Oh, yeah. amazing. So how is that, uh, that balance, the mom-life balance with, you know, having this blog and having a business and entrepreneur and trying to move? Like, how do you balance all of that? Yeah, and I am still learning how to figure out <laughs> how those pieces all work together. Uh, it is quite busy. I don't have a ton of downtime for myself. Um, but, you know, I surprisingly can manage it all that I do actually work full time as well. So it's a lot. And um, the I guess the biggest motivation is that the blog is and it's what I want. So see it as work and I, you know, try to multitask a lot. So if I'm on my computer, I know, I know I should probably not be <laughs> admitting this as a parent, but you know, I'll, I'll try to, you know, play with my child at the same time. And, and I do make time for both. And I want to make sure that I have a meaningful time with my daughter and, you know, not with distractions, with other things that I'm worried about. So I, you know, it's a work in progress, but I, I have so far managed to fit everything in and I don't know how, cause there's only so many hours in the week, but I, there I is. It done. 
but there's it's such a I love the analogy of like the jar and then you put in the rocks and then the sand and then the water like there is room for the things that you're most passionate about right like exactly. if you if it lights you up there's always room and you'll always find time you'll always find time and totally agree and you can use your daughter as a you know I don't know how big she is, but let's say 20 pound weight uh-huh. yep. <laughs> and do some plies, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. You do but get a lot also, of exercise as a parent. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, and super inspiring. I know watching my own mother, um, you know, she was working and, you know, like both of my parents are super supportive, but it really, you know, it stuck with me how much of a, an entrepreneur in her own way of always reinventing herself and, you know, switching up what she's doing to make it work for her life and our life. If if that really stuck and it's, I'm sure you're going to impact your daughter in ways you don't even know, which is so nice. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I hope to. (laughs) Yeah. And so doing bar and, you know, it supports your life, not just in movement, but there, are there any like other aspects of finding bar or the bar community that supports your everyday life? Like not just as an outlet, but, or, or even if you want to expand on that, like how does it support yourself your personal being oh it it means everything I think uh you know obviously the physical exercise of the workout is a craving that a lot of people who I talk to also can relate um you, you want to be able to fit it into your schedule because it makes you happy not because it's a chore um so the workout aside, I think having the blog and an outlet to be able to connect with like-minded people is my driving motivation because I've really found an exercise that speaks to me and so many others have as well. And the whole reason for starting up the blog was because I didn't see a space online that was dedicated to talking about all the related aspects to bar. And I don't claim to be I'm not an instructor, um, so I don't want to necessarily be the person to um, talk about the exercises and how to do them, but I wanted to find a way to connect with people just by talking about, you know, where where would you go on vacation if you could find a bar retreat, or uh, mm-hmm. where would you suggest going to next if you were to travel across the U.S.? Like, there's so many different affiliated topics to do on the subject that there wasn't any one space on the internet that was talking about that specifically that wasn't already connected to a bar franchise. So my uh, non-biased opinion <laughs> is that I'm sort of a neutral place on the on the net where anyone can come and have a discussion about bar and we can connect with each other over our shared interest in the subject and in the exercise. Perfect. That was perfect. And you are certainly feeling that need and you're right. I mean, I, I think that's how I found you in the first place. I think I literally typed in bar blog (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, Oh, it does exist. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is great. Like no one is doing this. I'm not a blogger myself. It's not something I tried, I think like two posts and it, to me, it just, I, you know, I I do the little blurbs on the social media and that's good. I can do the newsletter, but blogging itself was never really like lit me up. And so finding your blog, I was like, yes, I'm so happy someone's doing this because I want it. And also 
you know, the entrepreneur in me is like, okay, how many things, you know, how many things can I do? Right. And here we are in a podcast, but (laughs) it does take a lot of, uh, time and patience with anything in life. But yeah, I think it was the, it was finally like, I found a subject that I could want to talk about consistently. I was always, I had a personal blog before this that was just another way for me to connect with the larger marketing community. And I never really found like I was very motivated to talk about marketing because <laughs> mm-hmm. I did it from nine to five all day long. So um, I found that because bar was an extracurricular for me, I, I always had that craving of wanting to stick around the studio after the class was done. Mm. And I, you know, everyone sort of gets up and leaves for the most part right after the the class is finished. And I was always wanting to just, you know, not actually stick around, but like the the feeling of wanting to connect with, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I didn't want to loiter, but you know, (laughs) like if there was a place to connect with people who also had that shared passion um, and the, I, I decided to carve out a space online to do that. Right. Oh, that's so amazing. So, so great. So you've been blogging for years now. And before we get into the bar blog a little bit more, can you tell us a little bit more about your early days of blogging and when sure. that started? Yeah. I was really fortunate enough to have a mentor in my early professional life uh, that at the time, Facebook was the toddler and Twitter was the infant of the social media world. Mm-hmm. And I think I came in at a time, lucky for me, that um, that sort of the social media networking um, aspect of business was really exploding. And I started using these tools for business, but also personally. And blogging was sort of something that also came around the same time, like WordPress had I think was just on the scene around 2008 and, or probably earlier than that, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I had started using these tools for work. And so it was a natural extension for me to be able to use them in my personal life. And that was the way I connected with professionals in the marketing world. I was talking about affiliated topics and it was a way for me to say, you know, not only do I walk the walk, I talk the talk. And mm-hmm. I, it was purely a networking tool for me in the beginning. And eventually that sort of died off as I I found that I no longer had a passion for talking about those topics. But mm-hmm. I had always loved writing and found that finally I could talk about something that I was interested in again. And that was bar. Yeah, it's... The whole, you know, this whole social media boom and the blogging boom and these influencers and all of that is so fascinating to me because Facebook was created in, what, 2003, and I was a senior in high school. So going into my freshman year of high school, that was the, or not high school, sorry, freshman year of college, that was the big buzz. It was like, are you on Facebook, right? So it just started at these Ivy League schools, and it was I can remember like sitting there, like people like petitioning to like get on the Facebook, right? Exactly. It it was purely social for me for so long. It was, you know, a funny line from a party the night before or, you know, stalking the incoming class or whatever it was. It was literally the yearbook of the internet and, you know, MySpace and all of that stuff. So it was all purely social where 
when I graduated college, it was still not being used for business. And all of a sudden I just felt like it kind of like boomed in my face. I was like, Whoa, I missed the boat. (laughs) I was being told to pass out business cards. Like, you know, and I was a professional dancer and I was teaching Pilates and, you know, I was just kind of like in my world. I didn't need it in my business life. So when it just started cropping up of how you could get out there on the internet with, you know, not without really trying a little bit, you know, it was not, it just seemed so natural. And I was just like, man, I'm a little jealous. And I had to like take a moment of like, wow, I'm like playing catch up. I'm not old by any means, but I feel like there's a generation gap between myself and even somebody that's, you know, 27, 25, because they know how to naturally market themselves and network so easily where I just, I, I totally missed that boat. And I'm here. I am like climbing that hill to catch up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure, you know, I, I call that time like the wild west of social media Mm -hmm. and everyone is I think till this to this day is still figuring it out and it's always evolving totally so I feel like in a way we're always thinking that we're playing catch-up but we're we're all kind of learning together it I move so fast I mean Facebook time hop needs to stop reminding me of some of those early college days I'm like what what did I say that's so ridiculous I'm like I gotta hide into like most of my stuff is private now because of those early days it was like a quick scramble I think as soon as they allowed the general public to get on Facebook I remember sitting there like just no one needs to see that (laughs) (laughs) not that there was anything that bad but you know, the privacy. Well, and I think that goes into, you know, a little bit of an issue of the social media now is privacy. And I see some of, I teach dance classes as well. And I see with my younger students that uh, the concept of privacy is so different from how I perceive privacy. And, um, you know, I think that's something people are still learning, you know, what is private, what's allowed to be private and how much do you share or overshare or, Exactly. Yeah, it's, and I think for any younger generations too, it's just going to become second nature. Like they won't even realize what privacy meant 20 years ago. It's, you know, completely different world now that we live in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know, you know, I post a lot, I share a lot. And I had somebody say to me the other day, like, wow, you're a very private person. We were in person talking. And I was like, huh, interesting. And then I kind of realized like what... I'm comfortable sharing and is saying like, Oh, everybody know, you know, knows what this means. And they don't. And I was like, okay, like that's, it's also something I value. I value some privacy a little bit more. And so it's, it's interesting. And I, I think you're totally right. It's going to be second nature and what privacy meant to us is not what privacy is going to mean five or 10 years from now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so when did you start the bar blog? Hmm. Uh, so I started in, I think it was April of 2017, officially. I had yes. purchased the domain back in October the year before, but I uh, gave myself a few months to really figure out what I wanted to write about. And it was a work in progress. It, initially, the three pillars of the blog were obviously bar and the bar exercises, and then related aspects like the fashion and uh, food, which never really took off and I, 
I am not an expert in nutrition, nor do I claim to be. And I sort of let that sizzle out a little bit because, you know, I think you have an idea of what you want it to look like initially. And then as readers come to the site and interact with the content, then you sort of pivot and make it into what it should be. So nowadays I, uh, I have certain topics of conversation that I tend to write about a little bit more. I try to visit different studios and review them or talk to the owners. I interview people um, just to you know learn more about what they love so much about bar. Um, I also have reviews of different classes. Like I just did one on uh, peer reform, uh, the Pure Bar's new reform class. Um, and then I, I talk about everything in between, like how to take care of your grippy socks to make sure they last longer than six months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, it's quite a lot of types of different content. And I think I'm still sort of playing around with the format, but mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I, I tend to know what's coming down the pipes. That's great. And is there something that surprised you or something that you discovered while putting together the blog or as you've been, you know, evolving as a blog, is there something that kind of came up that surprised you in any way? Sure. I think I never expected it to open as many doors as it did, Mm. Um, which is, you know, a welcome surprise. I never wanted to monetize it, nor do I currently, but the opportunities to connect with people like yourself or the fact that I was hired as a freelancer to um, do a little bit of marketing for a bar affiliated company to, um, you know, just being able to have these type of conversations where I get to share my passion. So I think that surprised me. I never really expected those doors to open, but I welcome it. Yeah. And would you say that's your favorite part is the community aspect that the bar blog has created for you? Oh, absolutely. And that whole idea of having a space online where I could talk to like-minded people was the whole motivation for starting in the beginning. And, um, yeah, I try to foster that with every post I create. I'm somewhat active on Instagram, though I should be more, but, um, (laughs) you know, trying to fit it all in in one week is, is quite difficult. So, you know, you do the best you can. And, uh, um, I just, have that in the back of my mind always with thinking about who the the fan is that I'm trying to speak to and and what kind of content would they want to read and that's my driving motivation it's amazing and it really um you know there's so many I'd say bloggers or even people out there who's saying you know you have to post once a day at this time of the day and this many stories and everybody has advice right and there's general guidelines and I'm sure as a marketer you know that there, there's things, there's guidelines, right? There's things that you follow. And, but I have to say at the end of the day, as long as you're sharing what you're passionate about and you're true to yourself and the work you want to put out, it's just natural and it happens and it grows at the pace that works for you. Um, and, and that's for me too. It's like, I would rather put out quality over quantity. Um, I take my time to write a lot of long form content that is uh-huh. sort of evergreen. Uh-huh. And to me, that still is to this day, the number one way people find my site when they can read, you know, 
equivalent of a three to five page ebook on how to franchise your business or, you know, right. where to find bar certifications online. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's still really important to me. Now, what advice if you were to speak to a new blogger, somebody interested in getting into blogging, what advice would you, would you give, you know, speaking of these guides and how to's, what advice would you give, um, to a new blogger getting started? I think first and foremost, you have to find a topic or niche that really speaks to you. It's the, if you're not going to be interested in writing about it more than once a week, then I'd say the chances of it being successful over a number of years is probably pretty small. (laughs) You have to Uh want to continually, you know, find the topics of conversation that people want to talk about. And it's an ongoing process, but you know, the heart of it is if you don't love what you're writing about, then you're not going to continue to be motivated to talk on those topics. So that is probably the, the biggest or most important aspect of starting out is finding something that really resonates with you. Yeah. And that's, that will come across and, and it's always very obvious when it, it doesn't resonate and you can feel that like salesy stale. Yeah. And, to, like, and instead of the sharing, instead of the passion behind it. Yes, <laughs> definitely. And, um, you know, as the internet grows year after year, it's just becoming more of a competitive market. So there's going to be people who've already written on topics of um, interest. And so if you really don't have a niche or something to add to the table, it's going to be hard to to sort of make your presence known. And especially if it's not something that you're truly interested in, I think, as you say, it will, it will not come across. Yeah, and the the why behind what you do is so, so important. I know that's something I talk about a lot when I'm posting. And, you know, we talked about community. And if you don't have the, you know, the pillars of what is behind the passion that you're doing, and if you can't really dive into, you know, why are you doing it? Why does it light you up? And those are not easy questions to answer all the time, you know, (laughs) and it can change. And I think that's okay too. You know, the deeper you get into your own work or your own passion project or whatever it is, or even the job that you do, it doesn't have to be being a teacher or like if you're a nine to fiver or whatever it is, even if the simple of like, well, it's a means to an end. So then I can pursue X, Y, Z there's a why, right? It doesn't have to be the most epic transformational story every time, but knowing those whys and the pillars that hold up the fire within is, <laughs> is important. Yes, exactly. And, um, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I think that, you know, everyone quotes Oprah, but I think it was Oprah who said, you know, we all need to pay the bills and, and work in jobs that support us, but uh, it's more important to try to find your passion. And if you can, if you're lucky enough to do that, then that that's important. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. super important. It's priceless. And, you know, myself, like I've always been in movement. I was a dancer and I followed that for many years. And, but supporting that, and like the, 
being able to now have a label on it, like calling it multiple revenue streams instead of a million side hustles mm-hmm. <laughs> makes my ego feel I'm like, yeah, multiple revenue streams. Amazing. Like <laughs> I'm like, it's not, Oh, I have five jobs or whatever. And, and it starts to feel a little bit more cohesive, right? So mm-hmm. even if you do have that nine to five and you start a little side hustle, so to say, it, it's more a part of who you are instead of feeling so disconnected. And it, it just makes a little bit more sense in the broader picture you know, and I don't feel like I'm just, you know, people ask me, oh, what do you do? I, I used to trip up a lot on that question. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dancer. Well, then that comes with certain connotations. And then you're like, what kind of dancer? Oh, modern dancer. Oh, like, what does that mean? And I mean, I could write a whole paper on what that mm-hmm. means to me. And so it was always a funny question. Like, oh, what do you do? And the clearer I got on oh, well, I'm a expert movement, movement professional. I'm an entrepreneur. And as I've grown, I can say these more definitive answers that may have sounded vague to me in the past. Of, oh, I'm a dancer. Oh, I'm, a, I'm just a Pilates teacher. Or I would just almost apologize for it. Exactly. And there's now language that I can put behind it that the more kind of the entrepreneur industry grows, and I know that's a broad stroke, but the more being an entrepreneur is an actual industry, whether, whether you're a bar blogger, whether you're a content creator, whatever that means, it's great to have this language behind it and be able to be confident. And yes, I, you know, I do multiple things. I create content, I market, I blog, and it's good. It's good. And knowing that why behind it, again, just supports that confidence and being able to go out in the world and and share that and then create that community because there are obviously we are all unique in our own way, but we're all very similar in the same way. Exactly. <laughs> so there's an audience for everybody, you know, there is, and there's room for all of it too. And I think the more people have, and I, the word side hustle is kind of funny, but I you know I'll use that, <laughs> but I think, you know, we all need our outlets and, for me, I probably have two or three of those on the go. (laughs) So, um, and the, you know, times of just having one professional title are sort of non-existent anymore, because even if we have hobbies, like I, you know, I also sort of shied away from saying I was a blogger because I, there's certain like (laughs) expectations that come along with saying that, um, you know, but a lot of people do have those, uh, outlets, whether or not they get paid for them is a different story. But yeah, I think to your point, you can sort of have multiple titles and it can all sort of be under one umbrella, but they're all meaningful in their own way. So good. Now, speaking of those multiple revenue streams or multiple outlets, you're launching another company called Bar Goods Co., which is an online clothing shop for bar lovers. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And to be really transparent, I think the the blog has sort of taken a backseat for the moment, but I'm still writing, obviously. But uh, Mm -hmm. the Bar Goods Co. endeavor has been something that I've been working on for the past few months. Um, I've always wanted to start some sort of e-commerce store 
And this seemed like the best fit for me when I could take my marketing expertise and marry that with my passion. And just being a fan of, you know, there's, there's actually a few other people that are already doing this, but seeing the type of um, clothes that people wear when they go to work out in the classes that I go to, I just thought there could be something else that could be brought to the table. And I, I create for people like me. And, and that's sort of what I always have in the back of my mind is, mm-hmm. are there other people like me who could appreciate clothes that speak to them that uh, like really shows their passion for bar class? Um, so that's sort of the motivation behind why I started the company. And right now I have about eight to 10 different items that I'll be selling and hopefully grow from there. But it's meant to be um, just, you know, a fun brand. It's uh, for people who share that passion with me. And uh, I hope to launch soon. I am a little behind schedule, but I will be by, I would hope, no later than December 1st, but oh, we will see. Oh, that's really soon. <laughs> yeah. So by the time this airs, I'm sure that will have already launched. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking with, we're in 2018, I know. So we got some launches happening, but yeah, that'll be great. I can't wait. And then what types of clothing can we look forward to? Is it t-shirts, tanks, yeah, so crop tops? What we got? <laughs> original designs. They're, um, you know, things like muscle tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, crop tanks. Uh, we also have some sweatshirts and some cozy sweaters for wearing to class or just on the couch at home when you're curled up on a, a weekend. Yes. Um, so yeah, they're all products that uh, I saw sort of a need for in the market that I couldn't find myself. So I thought I'm going to create it. <laughs> Um, And I'm very excited to share that with the world soon. Amazing. Yes, I can't wait. All right. So I like to play a little game. There's something that I have been posting more and more about called, or this game, it's not really a game. It's just more of questions for you. Sure. (laughs) But called Heard at the Bar. So as an avid student of bar, what is something that you've heard said about bar that you either know to be true or something that surprised you to be untrue. So for example, the use of small weights always surprises my newer students at how effective they are Mm -hmm. and how quickly they burn. So it's something along those lines, like bar has a lot of like fun little phrases or there's, there's a lot of things that float around bar that, I don't know, I'd love to hear from you what you hear and what's true or maybe surprised you to be untrue. Good question. So I would say (laughs) a lot of people may not realize that it gets very tiring very quickly, especially when you're doing a lot of repetitive small movements. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing I've heard that is true, I would say, um, obviously, the ballet inspired influence in the class, the plies and turning mm-hmm. your feet out and whatnot. There's terminology that uh, has definitely been borrowed from that world. Um, and then one thing that I would say is, was it surprising or was it, what was the... Uh, oh, or just something that 
just kind of yeah surprising I guess you can say or um I just how difficult it is yeah and I I know that there's uh a lot of people talk about the bar burn but Mm. when you're in it and you have been doing the same motion for a couple of minutes your legs start to tire so quickly I never expected those small incremental movements to make such a difference (laughs) it's true and I think that like the also barring from you know a little bit more of the ballet the grace and everybody looks so happy and they're smiling you're like that looks easy and it is you're right it's I think a surprise for a lot of people of how difficult it actually is exactly you just don't have time to think of it which is that's such a good one thank you I know Um, oh sorry no no go on I dragged my husband to a class once and he is a big guy and he has (laughs) you know, obviously worked at the gym with much heavier weights. And so he thought, you know, I can handle these dinky little two pound weights. And a lot of people are surprised at how heavy it is. Those feel very quickly. Yes. I always say, um, grab your two pound weights. They're soon going to feel like 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one more little game for you. Again, not really a game, just another question, but it's called what's in your bar. And right now in my bar, it's more of a B-A-R. Mm-hmm. It's a tea. I'm drinking a lot of tea. So my bar is a tea bar these days. And I have to say, I fully jumped onto the matcha tea bandwagon. And I don't think I'm jumping off anytime soon. Mm, that's <laughs> Thanks a good to one. all the influencers out there. But so what's in your or what's stocked in your bar? Tea, coffee, juice, or is it more of like a beer and spirits bar? <laughs> well, um, I would say kombucha is my go-to drink recently. I've really started to love it for its benefit, but also I started making it or tried to at least um, because I was drinking it so much. So I thought, you know, I'll give it a shot and see how that goes. And uh, I haven't had a lot of time to brew it, but I have enjoyed the process of coming up with different varieties and combinations. So that is my go-to drink. Also, Amazing. because it's the holidays, I'm going to say Bailey's, just because. <laughs> yeah, just, and yes, that's so perfect. The kombucha, I'm not, I have to say, like, I have, I'm slowly dipping my toe in, and it's surprise. I think my taste buds are changing, you know, it's surprisingly good, and same with the matcha, like, it's, a, I feel like it's an acquired taste. <laughs> it is, it definitely is. <laughs> Well, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Melissa. And thank you for sharing your story with all of us. And can you tell the listeners where they can find and follow you? Absolutely. So thebarblog.com is the website that I blog at. And then the sister site, which will uh, be attached to the bar blog, is called Bar Goods Co. And that you can also find at bargoods.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.